I think the time has come when the American people realize that we're in this together and that we sink or swim together. And I say to you, maybe, just maybe, that that's the way it should be. A test of our courage, of our compassion. Believe it or not, there was a time when Americans trusted their politicians. But in the mid-20th century, the trust between the American people and their government quickly started to dissipate. First came the paranoia of the Cold War, which seeped down from the top. Accusations of communist conspiracy ran rampant, and McCarthyism was the order of the day. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? Trust in governmental institutions completely collapsed during the Vietnam War with Lyndon Johnson's famous credibility gap. It is true that a house divided against itself by the spirit of faction, of party, of region, of religion, of race, is a house that cannot stand. When Johnson decided not to run again in 1968, another McCarthy, Senator Eugene McCarthy, entered the race to take on Vice President Hubert Humphrey on the Vietnam War. Well, there are two or three things wrong with it, I think. First place, the Pied Piper didn't lead the children over the riverbank. He led the rats over it. Eugene McCarthy was soon joined by Bobby Kennedy, who unfortunately would not make it through the 1968 primaries. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? Is that possible? Eugene McCarthy's speechwriter was a journalist named Jeremy Larner. Even after Hubert Humphrey won the Democratic nomination in the most chaotic convention in American history, Jeremy Larner continued to work for the peace movement to end the Vietnam War. Larner even wrote a speech for Paul Newman to give at the moratorium, the largest protest in American history. The credibility gap continued to widen under Richard Nixon. As the Vietnam War, which Nixon had pretended to have a secret plan to end, waged on, the feeling only grew deeper that politics was a dirty business and politicians were crooks. Everyone was out for themselves. In this whirlwind of distrust and quickly eroding credibility, Robert Redford and the director Michael Ritchie approached Jeremy Larner in 1971 to write a screenplay that they had an idea for. Michael Ritchie, who would go on to direct the Bad News Bears, had worked for a California senator named John Tunney, who took on George Murphy, the first movie actor to hold political office. John Tunney was the basis for Robert Redford's Bill McKay, a liberal activist who was approached to run for the Senate on the promise that he can say whatever he wants you're saying I can say what I want, do what I want, go where I please. Hmm? It's right. Here's your guarantee. I lose. Bill McKay is good looks. He is Robert Redford, after all. An incredibly earnest outburst help him win the Democratic primary to face off against the Nixonian law and order type Republican Crocker Jarman. I remember my mom and dad went through the 1930s without welfare, without poverty programs. Why, none of us kids even had a social worker. How did we do it? Well, ladies, excuse me, but we worked our butts off. Peter Boyle plays Marvin Lucas, a cynical and skilled campaign manager who comes up with the idea of running McKay, a virtual political outsider. Although originally considered an unwinnable race, Bill McKay begins to actually close the gap between himself and Crocker Jarman. 
This development leads the cynical Marvin Lucas to start pushing McKay towards the center. The reason you're vulnerable on this stuff is you haven't established yourself on crime, right? You're going to have to get out of here. In a second, officer. This is Bill McKay. Care if it's Henry Fonda. What could be the damn program for? <laughs> this is your crime program. You have to get this in your lunch speech today, and you have to get it in the debate tomorrow night. Whatever questions they ask, just give them our answers. Crime isn't an issue. It's a symptom. The once earnest pronouncements turn into bland platitudes. Well, we can't let a school bus carry all the burdens of our society. The main problem is still, how do we get a first-rate education for each and every child? We can't afford to have inferior schools anywhere, and we, we should always try to preserve the concept of the neighborhood school in achieving this. Coming full circle, Richie and Robert Redford got Hubert Humphrey to make a cameo. The candidate is a prescient warning about how American politics turns idealistic young liberals into jaded centrists. It could not have come at a better time, as the post-Nixonian wave of young Watergate babies would ride into power just two years later. You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal and the frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. They just got back from touring on the East Coast. Christina Oaks, she has recently rebranded to Cosmopolitics, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics, or on Patreon, or find her on all the social media uh, websites. I, of course, am your long-suffering host, Forrest Miller. Without further ado, let's get started. So much suffering. <laughs> yeah, so very Especially much. Especially because I'm actually like pretty sick, and <laughs> so it's, it's different. It's, it's different uh, kind of suffering today. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm sick of the. I'm sick of the suffering. Is what I am. Yeah. Normally, yeah. you suffer for your art. Now you're suffering for whatever. Just suffering in general. Now yeah, I'm suffering. <laughs> now I'm suffering from uh, you know this being the allergy season and having my lungs damaged from COVID back in the. Well, we're about we're about to suffer from the electoral decisions of the American populace, so uh, a whole lot of suffering going around. <laughs> I'm I'm Buckle curious up. to see uh, how uh, the election uh, like live coverage goes if we do that. Well, unfortunately, I'm dog sitting again. So <laughs> <making> it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, thanks for the vote of confidence. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, this is a bad open. <laughs> Yeah, this is a this was a great movie to start off election month to me because for me I think it's one of the great campaign movies and uh, spoiler alert for uh, a movie that is what fifty years old at this point has one of the best endings one of the best bummer endings of all time right which which is just like which is the the Charlie the Charlie Day when he has the uh, all the tallies on his shirt and he's like so what what do now 
<laughs> but Bob like hog challenge, let's go. <laughs> but to put it back on topic, uh, the but the thing is that like this is an idealist, right? Like uh, McKay's an idealist, like and he's like you know he's he's an idealist with like with a message. Like they often said that you know if if Dennis Kucinich instead of looking like a keyboard elf looked like uh, you know like a handsome actor or something, then maybe he would look get, like somebody who belongs with his wife. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna say he's definitely, definitely punching above his weight class. Well, you know he's, he's like Roger Rabbit, and she's Jessica Rabbit. You know? It's actually that's a great analogy, uh, <laughs> but it's also off topic. And then if, if he had, because uh, if he had had um, the same kind of looks at like say a young Robert Redford had, then the message would resonate more because people uh, now more than ever, you know, just but it's always been the same, like like the package in an attractive person. But he's an idealist. He's a believer. And then through the course of the movie, that gradually gets as he gets closer and closer uh, to winning, going from being like a joke of a candidate, or, or just like basically being literally set up to lose. Like, hey, this will help boost your profile to like start your own practice and do whatever the hell it is you want to do. To being like, oh no, he like this guy's serious. Oh no, he's a contender. Oh no, he could win. And then it gradually the consultant guy gets uh, makes him go safer and safer, and he goes along with it. He has a choice, but he goes along with it. And it's just to, a jump to the right, and then a step to the right, because <laughs> it's ratchet theory, right? It's what we've been dealing with in, in politics for at least the last thirty years. But it's so great that it, during the course of the movie, you literally get to see it. You don't you don't get told about it. You see it, and you see like these small decisions that end up being like you know, okay, well, I guess that doesn't matter as much to me, and okay, yeah, we'll take care of that later. And then like so, when he gets to the end, of, what do you do now? It's like it's like he doesn't even know anymore because the act of like. Be, he's become a politician. The act of winning an election is that's all there is, is this winning. It's, it's the acquisition of power for its own sake. And I think that that's an incredible place to start for a, a film. Which, for a, uh, which month, is also the story of, I mean, it is the story of Joe Biden, right? Like that's why I included that at the end of yeah. the thing. He started out or as kind of, this, uh, he started out as this like, kind or, of or Jeb Bush or yeah. like, you know, like, well, I, mean, but I mean, it's harder know, for a Republican whatever. to be that it's harder for a Republican to be that because they're not yeah. really that idealistic to start with. I mean, I guess some of the maybe anti-corruption stuff, but like, it's yeah. easier for a Democrat. To I, I would more go with Christina than what you said. They're less than they're good looking. <laughs> <laughs> There's a study out there that says conservative men are more attractive than like attractive than liberal men. I'm like, you Ooh. sure about that? Who started that study? Ted Cruz? Yeah. 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 Jackson Hinkle, uh, 35 years ago. <laughs> Jackson Hinkle. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> I, just well, but, but, I just can't hear that name without cracking up. Hinkle's a funny name. So so we're looking at ostensibly, it is a funny name, ostensibly from you know the progressive left and the uh, the, the forces of uh, corporatism, a.k.a. moderation. But, I mean, it is it is the idea of, like, you, you start off with ideals and you're running for this office for a reason, and then gradually that gets winnowed away until just the, the winning becomes the only thing. And then you have all these Congress critters, as uh, 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 Hightower called them, Jim Hightower, <laughs> that are in office that, like, why are they there? I don't know. Like what? Whatever. Like what's you know what lobbyists are we meeting with today? <laughs> you, yeah, uh, you get Diane Feinstein at one point. You get oh, her like level yes. of like she's just like ninety six. Not only does she not know what she's doing in Congress anymore, she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know that it's con they're like they're like come on, you got to go vote on this in the Senate. But to be clear, she was terrible even when she did. But yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, I as mean, we established in the milk episode, she was Dan White's mentor. <laughs> 
God damn it. So, but but I think that this is amazing because like you like you get to see that this is someone that is literally selected. Like, oh, like you know, the kids like um, you know, let's let's put up put up a challenge, even though we know he's gonna lose. Which now like nowadays like there's some offices that they just won't field a candidate, which is amazing. Or worse, like in in Utah, it's Evan McMullen is the, the endorsed Democratic candidate in a, in a southern red state like South Carolina where they don't even do jack shit in the Democratic Party. They didn't in Wisconsin. They were just they had like a a gentleman's agreement to like not contest certain seats, uh, which is like and then it's like, you know, that they gerrymandered. Right. So they're always going to win is what that means. And then, oh, yeah, I guess we'll contest some of these then, which is just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, also well, I mean, well, Democrats well, Democrats do that in in New York too. Like we had Kevin. Oh Cahill. sure, he just got. I'm from California, he which is like, they fielded the very first DSA candidate that ever ran from this area, Sarah Hanna. But like he was in office longer than I've been alive. Kevin Cahill, who she challenged, he was yeah. he was elected in like uh, 1991, which is like three years before I even existed. He he's been sitting in that assembly member seat. Uh, yeah. you know, just doing whatever assembly members do, voting on stuff. He he also uh, he got enraged, I guess, when uh, Roe versus Wade got overturned and people celebrated and cheered that they uh, codified it in in the New York State Assembly like the same day. And he was like, yeah. "You can't cheer that. That's abortion." And I was like, "That race that you just went through, that's abortion. Yeah. You're out of your seat now, buddy." Well, you <laughs> like Andrew because Andrew Cuomo putting so many Republicans in place in New York. The now people say that Zeldin, whatever his name is, could actually become governor. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I I think that a I think that a, a Republican could win New York governor. Um, I well, don't I mean, think I don't they think have in the past. I know, but it, I don't think Zeldin is that it happened I, in I your think, lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Mormon Mormon Joe Exotic is a little too uh, a little too uh, anti charismatic for to win any elections. But I think that like oh, George like, Pataki it, had no charisma and, and managed to win an election. Yeah, but he was a little bit different. That was a whole different thing. My my dad voted for him like three times as a liberal because he was the more environmentally friendly. Like this is uh, going to be a really hard month to stay on topic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, at least we're discussing stuff. I mean, in a way, we're this discussing is elections. Like, these are literally it's very elections. Important to discuss about you know these these things because the candidate reminds me of Kennedy versus Nixon. Yes. The first televised debate. And even though Kennedy wasn't really like, like at his best or whatever, from what, because we watched the debate in my government class, Richard Nixon was on top of things, but he didn't look so good. Well, and Richard people, Nixon was, was uh, on his deathbed. So he, he banged his He was like Bolsonaro. He had like COVID like no, back he, in the so he, banged his knee, he banged his knee on a car door and it, he went into sepsis. So like yeah. he was literally like his body was going through septic shock yeah. and then he got a cold while touring the country. He didn't go to the hospital. So he was like literally about to die when he was on that. Yeah, he, he was like, yeah. well, but the thing is, looked at Kennedy and were like, oh, yeah, because the thing is, if you talk to people that watch it on TV, they, they say Kennedy won. But people that like listen yes. on the radio, they said the Nixon won. Exactly. The other thing is that uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, Nixon couldn't talk about because he was literally vice president so he knew what was happening in cuba and stuff and yeah. kennedy got briefed by alan dulles like personally yeah. he was allowed to use that briefing information in a way that nixon wasn't and all, all nixon could really say is like we're working on it and you know no one wants yeah. to hear that yeah yeah but like that that's completely irrelevant the, the point the point is that like uh this is that's where like the beginning of like image as like a, a yep. major factor uh, in modern politics kind of became true and th this is like what uh, four years four years after that right yeah. um that you know, granted, it's about a different race ostensibly, but it's really about that change in that sea change in how people choose their leaders. 
This and is, that, this, I mean, this movie is in the Democratic Party too. Like everyone was like, "Oh, look at Beto O'Rourke." You know, he kind of reminds me of you know Robert Redford's character first yeah. because he ran on a progressive policies. But guess what happened once he got the nominations? Or I mean, well, or Stacey Abrams, right? Like Stacey Abrams presumably kind of ran on a more progressive uh, ticket at first, and now her whole yeah. thing is like you know just voting rights, and that's it. As, as someone who lives like within the CSRA, which is we get all of our news out of Augusta, Georgia in South Carolina, in Aiken. Uh, there is a lot of ads out there now about Stacey Abrams, how she's going to be a Hollywood president for whatever reason. <laughs> because she now, was an episode of Star Trek, right? <laughs> there is there is anti-white bigotry happening. Which I think is one of the coolest things she's ever done, frankly. Joe Biden put white Indeed. people last. And I'm like, I need to record this ad the next time I see it because it's ridiculous. <laughs> Joe, Biden, Joe Biden is funny because he's literally been like the most pro-white Democrat that we've ever really had. Yes. <laughs> he's just like, let's incarcerate more black people. And they're like, this guy hates the whites. Yeah. But it, but but that's the thing with framed language, though. It doesn't matter if it's remotely true as long as it activates a circuit. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's everything is yeah. Lee Atwater now. Everything. Yeah. Lee Atwater yeah. was considered a wild outlier. Everything is Lee Atwater now. Yeah, but that's that's also why Republicans burn out. I think. Shitting in litter boxes for fuck's sakes! Like, come on. Yeah, I think I think Republicans kind of burn out because their lexicon has gotten so insular at this point with like the way that they foment stuff within their own base. Sometimes, yeah, like it doesn't permeate outside of their most reactionary evangelical base. But but it doesn't need to as long as it activates a circuit and they get the two minutes hate out of it. That's all they need. They see people to be they need to be they be pissed off enough at the right time to pull the lever or whatever. That's it. That's all what they do you need. Think the boogeyman's gonna be next election cycle. Maybe the caravan can make a comeback. Is that too soon? <laughs> oh, my my whole thing during uh, Pride Month, I wanted it to be the gay caravan because they were talking about how the caravan's coming back. So this caravan was gonna be like led it's by like the like, caravan, but gay. Led, well, no, it's, it's the <laughs> led by the village it's like the pride people. caravan. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, so they're it's literally the pride caravan. They're coming through. They're having like gay pride parade all the way from Mexico into the United States. It's gonna be this whole crazy. It's a gay thing. pride invasion, actually, is what it is. <laughs> there we go. Dude. YMCA, YMCA. <laughs> but but getting but getting back to to the movie, I think this is this is one of the first depictions of like if you even look at like the the text of what's happening, it's like you know it's there's a lot of talk of like being substantive on the issues and like oh oh no that wouldn't be you know wouldn't be uh, appropriate to bring that up and and this and that right but like then it kind of becomes like oh no you know this this dude's young and attractive and like you know that's enough <laughs> so we could just like push and Crocker's Garmin is kind of old and creepy and yeah and he's has, old and kind of weird yeah. and like he has like, the Orwell eyes behind him he literally has the big brother is watching you eyes behind him anytime he goes anywhere it's on his bus it's behind yeah. him on stage when he's giving that speech like he is he is full-blown 1984. He even says, like, Big Brother or whatever. He's like, get Big Brother off your back. Bro, you are Big Brother. Yeah. You are literally. <laughs> yeah, well, and he's... Pigeons, you, I mean, we have the NSA now. Would you guys pass? Like, hello? But question. I think what it was Crocker Jarman guys... and just him. I think he was the When one did that... you guys first see this film? Was it before or after you were, like, more political savvy? Because I watched this because my government teacher was like, there's one film you need to watch. As someone who's for Bernie, as someone who's very left leaning, is the candidate. Because Two days ago, and I was here. Monday, yes. <laughs> y- y'all are killing me on this. Uh, I I watched it uh, about twenty years ago, and I watched it. Um, I guess it was, it was it was right about when the the Dean campaign was starting up, and uh, it was uh, I got it from the video store. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I just I turned it. Robert Redford was good in it, and that he's like a JFK kind of politician that the system grinds down. I'm like, this sounds like a product for me. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and, I, and I checked that. I loved it. I mean, I, 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 I thought it was fantastic. Obviously, I loved it. I'm the one. I'm that glad, I'm glad that my show. government teacher was like, you need to watch this because this is something that actually happens within the Democratic Party. So yeah, <laughs> I was like. Yeah, good. So, so when did this become a scathing review to become like a how-to guide? Well, that's just it, right? It was, it was meant to be satire and kind of like a farce to a certain degree. And now it's yeah, just like, no, this is just how it is dead, now. But, you know. never, no, Dan, never Dan, Quayle, Dan Quayle literally watched it and said on the campaign trail, hey, this was a great how-to guide for me. And the guy who wrote it actually had to uh, actually had to write like an article in the New York Times and say, hey, this is a satire and it's supposed to be talking about like the farce of idealistic candidates gone wrong. This was not a how-to guide. Dan Quayle is obviously a moron too, but yeah, like, you know, like, yeah. like this was basically like Pete Buttigieg, you know, or, or thanks for sneaking like that, that in like, there, just in case anybody forgot. Like those young male Democrat candidates that are good looking, I guess, you know, like, like it's generically good looking. Robert yeah. Redford is way more interesting. Uh, uh, yeah. Like John Edwards than... might be the best looking politician of our lifetime. Yeah. Too bad he's uh, a skeeve. Yeah, yeah. I, true, but but you know, I'm just talking aesthetics here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but no, from from a is he a handsome dude? Yeah, he's a handsome dude. Sure. But it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but he's not he's not Robert Redford handsome. No. Well, Robert Redford has yeah. like the Kennedy jaw too. You know what I mean? Like he not, looks like I a mean, the, that's a good point. Yeah. He looks like a candidate like from the Kennedy family that would be like around at that time, right? Yeah. yeah. The generic what we started to think of after the Kennedys. Uh, were around for a while as what a political candidate looks like, which is crazy. If you think a single family, like basically change everyone's view of that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is also why in like Transmetropolitan, that's why the Spiler look, kind of looked like a Kennedy. Yeah. He totally looks like a Kennedy. This is okay. All right. Thanks. Well, I, I, in, uh, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> what the hell was I going to say? <laughs> I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so yeah, I don't Robert know. Redford really wanted to make this film. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, yeah, so he, have, he was fired up about it. Yeah, please, let's talk about that. I, uh, very, I very have, I have some very Robert Redford clips that I pulled. Um, so this is him talking about it a little bit. This is like a it's a five minute clip, but this is him talking about it with a with a woman who I've I've seen her before. I don't know where I've seen her, but she's very very excited to talk to Robert Redford about this movie specifically. Ooh, Out of a an hour and a half man. long uh, interview yeah. about his entire <laughs> career, she talks to him about this movie for like fifteen minutes of it. Oh yeah, you yeah. have to. <laughs> But like, but they're going through all of his movies, and she's like, oh, "This is the one I specifically." Where, where's Bobby? I know Bobby. It's been too long. Gordon Willis did the photography, which was really terrific, because he knew how to work with dark, mostly dark and light. And he had a concept about when you were in the newsroom, it would be completely fluorescent lighting. There'd be no shadows. The moment you would leave, that's where the light was. That's where the effort to tell the truth was. Once you went out, you were in the darkness. So Washington was shown in the dark. So that scene is a combination of Gordon Willis and Alan Pakula really designing a scene that most people kind of knew about, but we wanted to make it frightening. And the way they constructed the scene with Deep Throat was to make it frightening. And the whole idea of take this movie and start making it really, really frightening. That's how close we came to losing something important. I don't so you, both of these movies, uh, Wildwood was involved as a production company. Is that is that correct? Yes. So while you didn't direct them, you didn't actually write them. I I, I did work on the candidate as a writer. Yeah, because the the reason for making the candidate was what I could see 
1968, 9, 70, that suddenly we were electing people not by substance, but for cosmetics. And so I wanted to make a movie that showed you could, you could succeed if you were just cosmetically attractive, as opposed to having substance. And that's why I felt that the film, I, I felt that the first three films that I made that I could produce should end with a question. Down the eraser ends with a question. Same question, right? Well, it's not verbalized, but it's the, the guy does everything to win. He realizes, um, what does he really want? What does he really want? And in The Candidate, I wanted the last line to be, what do we do now? From a character that got taken over by the system, and suddenly he was there, but he forgot how he got there and forgot why he was there. And so um, Michael Ritchie was the director of that film and Downhill Racer and Pakula for all the presence men. So I just felt very privileged to be able to work with those guys because we really worked hard to develop the project. The the thing about the candidate also that's I mean the candidate is fascinating because that's still the model, right? I mean that model back there in nineteen seventy. It was meant to be a satire. Was, really. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. and it kind of is today. It also is there's a layer in it that you can see in your performance. This is what happens to actors. You know, as it happens to politicians, but it also happens to actors when they begin to feel, you know, this huge crowd out there looking at them and they begin to play the crowd and understanding how to play the crowd. I, that's why I love that scene where you have all those people looking at him and they absolutely... She's like, can you teach me how to play the crowd? And he's saying not. nothing whatsoever. <laughs> right. But it's getting to him. Yeah. yeah, He's buying into it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, years ago how good it felt and how different it was. Because I had been in, in theater and early television and suddenly something shifted after Butch Cassidy. And um, how I began to get noticed. And so I remember thinking, uh-oh, there's danger here, and I better I better watch out. I don't want to buy into this. I, I don't want to let this affect me. So I, I made three notes to myself. It all had to do with the word object. And I said, the first thing is you begin to be treated like an object, and it feels different, and it feels good. And then if you're not careful, you'll begin to behave like an object. Mm. And if you're not careful with that, you become an object. So I put that up for myself to be careful. So I was doing pretty well. And then I'll just tell you this quick story, but where I got my, where I learned about the value of humility. After Bush Cassidy, I was starting to get recognized <clears throat> and it really felt good. And pretty soon along the road, I began to think, hey, you know, maybe I am kind of a big deal, you know? Maybe, maybe I'm, I am somebody, you know? And it started to get to my head. I was getting ready to cross the street in uh, Wilshire Boulevard, and I was about to step off the curb, and this car came as the light was changing, and it was full of a lot of teenagers in the car. And they saw me, and they went like this, and, and I thought, oh, these are fans, you know. These are, and they rolled down the window as they were coming by, and they said, Robert Redford! And I said, hey, they said, you are such an asshole! <laughs> and I said, okay, I guess that's it, you know. Uh, from that point on, <laughs> yeah. 
Nowadays, it'd be even worse. He's going to hit the head with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he insults the uh, the cosmetics of politics. He didn't have to go at Christina like that. You know, he's like, I made this movie because of cosmopolitics, you know? Yeah, I, I'm going to change my name from Robert Redford Potus. It's funny that you mentioned that, Christina, because that, uh, that you put that as your name, because in the Watchmen universe, where Richard Nixon goes on to third and fourth term, uh, eventually Robert Redford runs against him with Jerry Brown as his running mate, loses, then Nixon dies, and uh, Robert Redford is elected president with Bob Carey as vice president. And then they uh, it goes on from there. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was Jerry Brown that well, made him lose. Yeah, that, that was the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the comic. Uh, this this would have been this would have been know. like uh, still between modern Jerry Brown and like Governor Moonbeam Jerry Brown. So it actually does make sense. But yeah, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, no. The, 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 what's interesting about the comic though uh, is, is uh, they never actually said it was Robert Redford because there was that newspaper. Right, you just see you see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, just yeah. see RR, and it could yeah. be Ronald Reagan, and it could be Robert Redford. They never yeah. actually it's, said it. Doesn't matter. You know, it was just, uh, and then uh, inside, I, you know, I remember you there are two RRs. Like, one of them is Robert Redford. One of them is Ronald Reagan. An RRR. And, and, and I remember going to comic book shops and having people argue uh, whether yeah. if it was Ronald Reagan or, or Robert Redford. And that's that's the beauty of uh, that kind of vagary uh, of you know, oh, is it Robert Redford? I mean, yes, Ronald they, Reagan yeah. would have never ran against Richard Nixon, though. That's the thing. Well, you think in this case, Richard Nixon would have still been president because, like, they like lift the it's a whole thing. They like, yeah, yeah, they lift term limits. He ends up being really popular because of something he did when the superheroes came out, whatever. No, I, I mean, I mean, like, uh, Reagan's personal deferential attitude towards Richard Nixon as a human being. I don't think he would have been able to do it. So, I'm, I'm team Robert Redford on this one. Well, it, yeah. it, it, it is Robert Redford. I mean, ultimately, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was said it was Robert Redford, and then the TV series, uh, uh, they picked up the continuity and. Not only confirmed, but went further with it. I think at some point Jesse Ventura becomes his vice president too, or whatever. But but I just remembering in the in the uh, you know in the nineties, people arguing over this. So so yeah. you know it's it's just a, an interesting point in fact of. Uh, uh, only of, reason uh, I bring it up is because Christina's handle, which is Robert Redford for POTUS, and uh, yeah. honestly, you could have done worse, especially in his in his younger, more activist days. You know, like yeah, he, man, but 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 uh, he also formed Sundance, and Sundance is great. But so. like Vice President fucking Jesse Ventura means Michael Brooks would have never been able to go tell him about Lula, Lula. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but it is amazing that like at where at where Robert Redford is at is pretty much where the Bill McKay character is at to a certain degree, except for like in a different sort of way. Uh, and I love like certain little bits of this movie, like Natalie Wood as herself showing up to meet the candidate, which is all yeah always, always nice to see Natalie Wood. By the way, I love uh, her. She was murdered by Robert Wagner for sure. Why was Christopher Walken there? That's the detail that never made sense. And why have they not tried to get that information out of Christopher Walken? Allegedly, they had an affair. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've heard the, there's a whole bunch of rumors. The, there's rumors that like they had an affair and then he found out about it and killed her. And then there's other rumors that like she slipped off and he didn't right, like they, they just watched her drown and didn't like there's a whole bunch of different theories about how yes, it happened. Hollywood. Well, uh, didn't her and Robert Redford star in a film together? I think. I don't know. <laughs> the other cameo they get is uh they get Hubert Humphrey, which is a weird fucking cameo. It's a very <laughs> weird guy. It's a weird, but it makes sense, right? Especially yeah. because he doesn't say anything. He just walks through, and you're like, "Is that? Is that? Yeah, is he, that? I is think that Hubert was... Humphrey." <laughs> and, that and, 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 you know, like, my eyes deceive me. There's yeah. no, 
He's, I don't even know if like late late Hubert Humphrey was that popular with the Democratic Party. He like walks through like a fucking celebrity. Like, hey. It's like Obama I, walking in. I think that uh, so I'm, I'm going to bring us back on track here. I think this is a great script. And I think it's, it's a script we were, that actually. We were on track. I was literally talking about the scene from the movie where Hubert Humphrey walks through this thing. If you say so. Uh, this this the script for this is, is really genius in a, in a lot of ways, and I think because so much of it holds true to today. But again, yeah. remembering that this was like an absurdist farce. And no one has learned a goddamn thing from this movie, too. Because no. then they made West Wing as like a drama based on this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean yeah, right down like, to hiring uh, what's his face who looked like uh, uh, um, uh, the bald guy in this movie. Um, <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I'm not going to you. Frankenstein, you know, young Frankenstein, Boyle. somebody in the West Wing they hired who, who Boyle. just happens to be cosplaying yeah. him. Peter Boyle, yes. Um, uh, yeah. uh, we, which is kind of hilarious. It's just like, interesting what liberals do, the, you know, the West, you know, the West Wing. And like, I'm like, you guys don't understand that you don't have to do this in real life. Like you can, you can actually run on leftist policies and be like a pro worker candidate and like not move to the middle. The moment you win the nomination, right? Like why do you think people voted for you? Well, a big part of that, a big part of that was the Watergate babies that came four years after this movie who all ran like Bill McKay pretty much. Right. Like they were all idealistic young liberals that all ran at the same time. And the whole thing was they were going to get rid of like the old corrupted uh, political institution. They overturned seniority rules in the Senate and in Congress. Like uh, there was a whole like so they, they overturned basically all of the procedural rules, which is what liberals love anyway. So I guess they did succeed in that. But then there were unforeseen <laughs> oh, consequences. The Many of them. Many of them, including the guy that, uh, you know, Bill McKay's based off of, got swept away. He wasn't the Watergate baby, but he was, like, young at the same time. He got swept away in the conservative backlash to a lot of this stuff, like, a few years later. Like, so there's, yeah. you know, there, there is, this is very much of the time that they're talking about. Although, like, the, the large wave of Bill McKay's that swept into Congress didn't come for another four years. Yeah. And then Reagan happened, and... <laughs> and that's a completely yeah. different discussion for a different show. But... Well, out this, <laughs> this movie is that, like it's amazing how many of the things really. Funny, you didn't get the message that this is movie night rake extravagance. <laughs> you had to make it rake political. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe they made Reagan political. <laughs> there's, no reason, there's no reason to do an after party because we're literally just doing it in the middle of the show right now. Uh, hey, it's fun talking about politics in a movie that is about politics. Okay. Really, right. to be on topic, I, I I'm excited to be on topic after the week break that like we have from because we've done so many back to back episodes at this no point. I feel like, no yeah, I feel like my brain is like movie night mush extravagance. <laughs> well, you can also just lay, lay lay back. It's great to have Christina back. Christina, welcome back. By the way, thirty six yeah. minutes in. Uh, yes. good, good to have you back at least for uh, for an episode. <laughs> yeah. But what what I've what I've been trying to get out for the last like two minutes is that uh, I feel like. Add in some references to Twitter. Most of the script still works, you know. Like it's, there's not that much. Like the media landscape obviously is like somewhat different, and the media cycles are different. And you, you know, some of the references towards like you know, uh, decorum or whatever are just deeply hilarious in the in the era of Trump slash post Trump. But like it still mostly works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, like, oh, get ready, guys! In another forty years, that's gonna go right out the window, especially with right. all the crap about Paul Pelosi's attempted assassination and all that crap. Like, well, all right. So taking so taking this conversation, like or this part of it, at face value, I think that Twitter is really the ultimate 
is really the ultimate uh, Bill, Bill McKayification of our communication, right? Because it, it literally gives you 280 characters to write some kind of platitude. Like you're not. It, you're d- not it doesn't really reward nuance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's, that's totally. Yeah. Every politician that writes something on on Twitter is like a slogan because you can only really write a slogan because, like, what are you gonna do? Like Elizabeth Warren tweet storm where she's like, "Here's the thing," and then goes through like a ten. Like no one's gonna read that. So one of forty. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> your your Marvin your Marvin Lucas when you're running is gonna say no one wants to actually read your policies or something like on uh, you know in a Twitter storm like what they like you can have a website for that but like what they want to do is just hear your like you know your uh, we need better leadership. Or like, you know, this country's not getting led the right way and we should lead it. Like, that, like that's, such a, that's such an empty, vacuous, uh, when he says that in the debate, like, it's such a vacuous, shallow statement, right? Like, the, the idea yeah, I mean, of it's not like, what does that like, even yeah. mean? Nothing. Like, it's, <laughs> like, but it's great because it gets over, right? Like, and that's, and that's, like, for the purposes of the narrative structure of the film, it's great. It's not great, like, culturally. Like, culturally, no. it's terrible. No, because, like, Mayor <laughs> Pete took, like, notes from this and, like, oh, that's yeah. what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Well, I mean, even like, even like, uh, you know, every single politician that ran in 1980, they all said leadership, right? Like the, the thing that Carter had failed at, they said was leadership. He yeah. wasn't a leader. So like even Reagan's, like Reagan's campaign plane said leadership 80. Like that was the name of the actual plane. So they all kind of took that part of the message. I mean, I don't know if they all watched this movie, but I'm assuming everyone that at least was a campaign worker probably watched this movie. Oh, it's very, it was it's like, very popular yeah. Yeah. campaigns for sure. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, if you're looking at someone that's a Republican, like Republicans don't really have that same idealism or something, right? Like, what are those Republican going to do? Like, really? I mean, you can kind of do like anti-corruption slogans and be like, "We're going to drain the swamp." I mean, whatever, but like, you don't. But, but you not actually. Like, they want more money for lobbyists. They want that corporate revolving door. That's what they're all going to go to. Democrats too, but Republicans more than it. Like, no Republican is going to say, "Hey, we need to end the you know the revolving door between Congress and and lobbying," which is really the thing fucking us right now. Like corporations and congress just have a non-stop yeah. revolving door the same people that are like writing gun legislation they you know like a year later when they retire or something go into like working for fucking lockheed martin or something so like that's why nothing gets done so in that in that sense you know republicans i think are more are just more open about that in the sense of like you know they're not going to openly fight it because that's you know money daddy so like it's yeah. harder for a republican is what i'm saying to be the bill mckay like young idealistic person to go in there and be like we're gonna really shake things up and then you know get spit out the other side whereas democrats how many like every single one of them like how many like no one nobody wants to like be known as a centrist as their main thing right nobody wants to yeah. like come into congress and be like i'm the center <laughs> are you sure yeah. about that like you might be surprised. I mean, there well, are. I, I don't agree with that, by the way. But I'm gonna let it slide. I'm, I'm no, but I'm saying that, like that. young young people that want to go into <laughs> young people that want to go into Congress. Yeah, like right? people can be idealistic and be right wing. Like it's 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 there yeah. are people that are that are they don't they're not my ideals, but they are idealistic and they do get quote unquote corrupted by the by by like the uh, the system in similarish ways, usually towards corporate interests, right? But like just because they're not our ideals doesn't mean they're not idealistic. And I think that that's important to remember when, yes. we're, when we're thinking about politics. And well, additionally, I'm, I'm talking about though this movie though. Like, okay, his, well, his if you his politics are things like you know like fighting for the poor, fighting for you know uh, yeah. civil rights. And, like, and back then, and I'm just gonna talk over you because you talked over me with this. Is that like it would have been like 
It would have been like privacy. It would have been like, you know, the government overreach, like things along those lines, right? And those are idealistic concerns as well. Now that's just like, nobody cares about that. We yeah. all like gave that away in 2002 with the Patriot Act. Like that's just over. Well, there but also like, used to be liberal Republicans. There used to be, li- that, that's what I yeah. was going with this. They used to, be, well, there were those like Rockefeller Republicans, right? Where they were yeah. like definitely pro-corporate, but they're okay with the gays and, uh, you know, like whatever. You, you could be count on them to-, to I, I mean, basically uh, like Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi is now. You would be now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where, where where there's in supportive of certain policies, but like ultimately like for, uh, you know, profit and for uh, economic growth, um, inflationary tendencies, moving towards deficit reduction, so on and so on. But not total monsters that wanted like immigrants to be like put in cages and things along those lines. And I think it's but I think it's important to note that I the reason why one of the reasons why this, this film resonates is that it does cross party lines, because, again, what we would think of as idealistic wouldn't necessarily be idealistic for someone coming from like a more libertarian background or something along those lines. Right. And vice versa. Precisely. I'm on some days. Yeah. Uh, But but I think that like, it's totally notable that like this movie is about someone getting corrupted by the system or running for office. And, and, and by the time they get there, they stand for nothing. And Bill McKay stands for nothing. He stands for, you know, the Democrats. Yay. Fly the flag. Right. Which you you could easily say the same thing about a whole bunch of like milk toast gruel Republicans as well. If you come from that side of the A, which I don't know, they would never be watching this show, but like, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you come from that but... angle. It's one of the reasons it works and why campaign people fucking love this movie. Too. Well, there's, 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 you know, the, the few that there are out there right now, it's like, uh, there's that one, there's that one guy that left the, uh, republican party to become kind of like a libertarian or whatever that's in congress right now like i i think that it's the thing is the republicans have gone so far off the rails at this point that there isn't two wings of the republican party it's just a, a rush well, to go as far reactionary you know you, right as well you yeah the, the political landscape 100 percent different now for sure but like uh, one like but like 100 percent in at this time there was a liberal wing to the republican party there was a moderate wing to the republican party yeah. and yes there were people that were plenty idealistic there were civil rights republicans at the time it's just that they all got purged out by the fucking reagan administration so hunted, hunted down like literally literally they created cpac to hunt those people down <laughs> exactly people forget yeah. about the origin of cpac it's 100 cpac right. really yeah. happens like every three months it drives me nuts <laughs> but but I think that it's but one of the reasons why this movie endures and is is interesting is if you have interest in politics, everybody. Why didn't we start with Mr. Smith goes to Washington? Why do you think? Well, because everyone knows that story, right? Everybody yeah. thinks they're Mr. Smith when they fucking yeah. when they yeah. go. Yeah, people still think AOC is supposed to play that role, and I'm like, look, I'm sorry, but yeah. she ain't gonna come waving a hammer and sickle flag for you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> And she, she's not going to be like Billy Jack either, doing martial arts on these. Uh, uh, there, on there you go. Got, got the Billy Jack in. There you go. <laughs> but Billy I, Jack is Washington, but, 1977. If you look at the real story of fucking Frank Capra that, uh, you know, our good friend, uh, you know, Joseph McBride uncovered with that book, like, there's a lot of shit there where Mr. Smith goes to Washington is probably the opposite of what Frank Capra would have actually wanted to vote for. In, in, sure, in sure. But, but as far as like, the narrative yeah. function of uh, of I know I just think that's more of an interesting story than that movie because I don't find that movie particularly interesting. I think, I think that movie has its place, but I think it's um I think it's it's it is in black and white, but it's a very black and white film compared to the the color of the candidate. Like starting with this, I think I it's mean, perfect. The nuances. Because yeah, the the because our modern politics, even though like really this is a you know whatever a fifty year old movie, right? Like it started like this. Like with with the like image being 
uh, <laughs> it, the image being everything, like the image being like, you know, uh, and, and politics being a naturally corrupting influence is not a new idea, but it being the default state, again, going from satire to unfortunate reality to aspirational vision board for some people uh, is, you know, it's a sad, sorry state of affairs, but I think it makes sense for where, um, where and and that with? is and that is something that you know uh, fully came in on two different um, like both political parties because Roger Ailes uh, working with Nixon as like the consummate um, uh, like this is what works for television this is what doesn't right die, right like, yeah yeah be telegenic yeah. telegenic yeah. they call it telegenic they call yeah. it telegenic folks yeah <laughs> learning about all that Roger Stone and like Roger Ailes back in the seventies how they really started to make what today's Republican Party is all about I was like I hate you guys so fucking but I, I really wish that bombshell right, like, movie had been good because it really wasn't but uh, that story deserves to be told in a better way but but like at this exact same time right like Jimmy Carter running for president um had a uh, Goodell as like one of the people and i can't remember what the other guy's name is that he had is like literally the guy kind of uh tailoring his image and actually like you know doing each part of his image and like there was they started oh uh rafshoon gerald rafshoon because they had the, the term like rafshoonery which literally meant that telegenic superficial um like cons pretty much right that you do on tv i heard like, that's what dr oz said a charcuterie <laughs> board was <laughs> oh guys this is not necessarily a topic, but is there ever been a politician that you saw a person that you're either wooed by with their speech or were like completely confuzzled by what they said? Because I went to uh, Benedict College, which is like a predominantly like black university in South Carolina, and they're hosting a criminal justice forum. And so we saw Bernie, we saw Buttigieg, we saw Van Jones, we saw Amy. Well, we left for Amy. We were not going to deal with her. Uh, but we Kamala Harris, they were asked about like, you know, African-American issues, clearly. Like, what we like about, like, police officers. And Kamal Harris said this, and I quote, as a solution, if you were to get pulled over by a cop as a black man. The only thing that stops a gun is a job. <laughs> wow. That's, to be uh... fair, what black men does, does, uh, does Kamala Harris even know? Just, when I heard that, we all looked at each other like... Around him. <laughs> we all put each other like she is the she is the whitest she is the whitest husband I've ever seen anybody have ever. <laughs> and your uh, father, he's, by he's the trans, way, he's Donald uh, he's, J. Harris. Uh, it, it's freaking awesome. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a Jamaican Marxist, and he came out and said that he does not like Kamala Harris's politics. Well, it, well Pete Buttigieg's dad was a Marxist too. Yeah, but it's like a, all, it, it's the Alex. Have, it's the Alex Keating effect from. Yes, they all yes, have parents who were like hard leftists, <laughs> and I'm like, where? What the hell? I, that's you why. Know, I'm like, oh Pete Judge's dad ran the uh, the Gramsci Society <laughs> out of out of the college out of uh, he he ran the Gramsci Society out of uh, Notre Dame and like, was good friends with uh, Richard Wolff. Yeah, remember now, he he also was like the first person to translate Gramsci into English. Like, how indebted is Michael Brooks to Pete Judge's dad? He was also he was also uh he also translated um Fanon into English at one point uh like like works that nobody had had fucking ever I guess translated and uh yeah so there was like some weird essay where uh people just was like quoting fucking Fanon and like <laughs> well could you see anybody else I know this was technically this movie was Robert Redford's passion project because he really wanted to make a film like this could you see anyone else playing him like were they in this role? Good looking. Yeah. Paul Newman. Paul that's Newman. A, that's all yes. right. yeah. If they're going more Jewy. <laughs> Paul Newman. 
<laughs> that's that from around this time i can't think of anyone else that would have the star power to, to be able to pull it off because the thing is what the because the, the point of like a lot of uh the bill mckay effect if you will is the fact that he has natural charisma right and a lot of that has to do with it's the same kind of stuff that again we talked about like you know ronald reagan being a movie star and that translating over into uh, into politics versus governor then as president it's a certain way you carry yourself arnold schwarzenegger same sort of deal like that it is a small echelon of people that would have the interest in doing it. Cause remember at the time of, of doing this, this was kind of like a left, left so to speak, left field choice <laughs> to, to like make a, uh, election movie period. Uh, but also yeah. have one about it. Basically the candidate, like sort of like losing what the idea of like what it was he was running for in the first place. Imagine John uh, Wayne being in that film. I have a, I have a, I could see them as, 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 uh, as the other guy. Maybe yeah. I have a, candidate. I have a really amazing, um, I have a really amazing clip that I would, but I he'd don't... be too cool. He'd be too cool to be that guy. That guy is like a, a charisma void. And that's the yeah. point. It's the, and, well, the other thing too, is like, um, if you've, if you ever met, uh, you know, even like local politicians, I remember a couple of years ago, I got to meet, um, my, uh, representative at the state house and, yeah. um, really charismatic guy. He's a fat fuck. And, and I say that because he's also anti-trans. He's a he's a, he's a just okay. anti-trans <laughs> motherfucker who can, you can, you know who should you know get you know yeah, yeah. have a heart attack or whatever. Not not a nice um, person. Yeah. Not, yeah, but like when you not our best him, people. He also supports. He also really supports the arts. So like like you know um you know good on him oh, for that. But but I know I know it, it pisses me off that that he's like this hateful. How dare you have nuance, sir? But 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 anyways. Um, uh, but the thing is, though, is when you meet him. He is immediately likable. Like, like, yeah. you, know, you know what you should if do? you don't know anything about him, because I didn't know, know anything about him. You should him. You should, you should somehow get a grant to make art, like, you know, that he's financing, and then do, like, a mural of a fucking trans flag. Like, a huge <laughs> trans flag on a building. You or have flag. all trans you know what? gendered artists make the art. Honestly, there, there's actually a bunch of stuff like that around here. Uh, I'm actually really ticked off, because um, a few blocks from my house, there is a uh, 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 non-binary uh, sign. And uh, uh, my kids wanted to get their pictures taken next to it. And when we went to go do it, somebody defaced it. Damn. See, we have we have the opposite thing. We had these uh, we had these middle school kids that painted this huge American flag mural, and somebody ran up with red paint and defaced it, so there was blood all over the flag. And it then Laura Ingram yelled <laughs> at us on Fox News um, and called us and, and called every everyone in this town jihadi terrorists or something. Well, because, I mean, you know, she, she got called, it right like, with you. We so. had a we had a there was a march against the flag, and people wore like the black Antifa mask, and she's like jihadi terrorists. But I have a I have an amazing clip and I don't know how to you know how I'm gonna exactly segue this. So this is Robert. Don't even, yeah, just just leap into it, man. At this, this, point. Is, uh, <laughs> this is Robert Redford talking about how on the promotional trail for the candidate he found out about Watergate. Um, oh like, wow, that's right. Then, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Ooh, man, began we trying to uh, began trying to hunt down. Um, uh bernstein like you know to to try to get information and he wouldn't give yeah. it to him because this was at a time when obviously nobody knew who that was like he was just some you know nobody like washington post reporter like oh, was that whole... name checked in this movie uh he's name checked or in, uh... oh no sorry yeah bernstein and Wilbur, that, that was the pair of the two of them but uh yeah one of them gets name checked in this movie and they also name check um uh they, they have a big name check to fucking um What's the Which other? is funny, of course, because all the president's men. It's who is yeah. it? It's Robert Redford and who did we just talk about? Paul Newman. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
They also uh, they name check um what those famous columnists that I always Justin Huff their their name. Um, I'll 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 check while we're doing it. But there's there's okay. the famous uh, basically Washington gossip columnists that they check who are the ones that break the story about um <laughs> about Robert I mean, Redford. I, this, this is Martha unique. Mitchell was right. But uh but so this is this is this is the story of Robert Redford uh finding out about Watergate on on a they did a whistle stop tour where they went around like Robert Redford actually was a candidate and like running for running for an office, right? They, 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 they pretended he was to see if they could get more people to go to that than to go look oh. at like, you know, yeah, Ed yeah, Muskie yeah. Or, or like, you know, cause Ed Muskie was running at the time and um, uh, you know, just who, whoever was around really, I guess. And so they tried to McGovern, like they tried to see if they could out, uh, out crowd them. So that was an earlier clip that he talks about that, but this is how on and, that. And people, actually, and people actually did vote for him, right? That's that's yeah, the so thing is like he actually got some votes. He, he was trying to burn <laughs> he was trying to burn them. <laughs> so this is uh so this is his story about how he he left that to go back on the train and then found out about Watergate there. Nice. Oh wow, wild. Okay. So I went inside and while I was making a fool out of myself on the back, the entertainment and the entertainment people were mostly drinking and falling asleep. And the and the, <laughs> the political people were drinking and gossiping. And they had lost interest in me already, and they were talking about what had just happened in, at the Watergate and Larry O'Brien's headquarters for the DNC. And so they were they were talking about what went on there because there had been this break-in and then just died away. What happened? Nobody really knew. So I said, I said, hey, you guys, what what are you you're talking about that break-in, right? And they said, yeah. This is about two weeks after the break-in. is is early January 1972. And they said, yeah. We are. And I said, well, so what happened? They said, oh, don't even bother asking. I said, what do you mean? And they said, it's never going to come out. I said, what's never going to come out? And they said, what happened? I said, what do you, and so anyway, it was leading to the point that something had, it had something to do with Nixon. And finally they said, look, you just don't understand how it works. This is never going to come out. Uh, there is a story here, but it's never going to come out because Nobody wants to be on the wrong side of this guy because he's got a switchblade mentality and he will, he's vindictive. He'll punish. He'll punish the paper. He'll put, and nobody wants to go there. Also, it's, it's the summer of 1972 and it, more people are going to be interested in whether Hank Aaron breaks Babe Ruth's record and nobody pays attention to politics. So I got pretty upset about that and I got off the train. I, I didn't even go all the, I didn't finish it off. I was kind of depressed. And I, I, they said, it's never going to come out. So I went home. I read the paper just to see if this was true. Sure enough, for oh, about a week and a half, there was nothing. And then finally, I saw this little blurb with a dual byline, just a little teeny thing saying something. And then a few days later, another blurb kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger and all, always had the same two names. I didn't pay attention to what the names were. I just remember there was always two names. And finally, the thing built up through the summer, and it blew sky high in September. Donald Segretti and the Dirty Crit. And the whole thing blew wide, and they said, Who, who's been doing this? And I saw this little article about the profile of two guys, and I said, wow, that's interesting. I said, no, that, I'd love to know what that was like. And I thought in my head at that time, I said, wow, what a nice little black and white film that would be with two unknown actors to play, <laughs> to play these guys and tell the story that nobody would know about because it eventually led to Nixon resigning and so forth. Anyway, so that was the idea, and I, I thought, well, I'll call Woodward and I'll call Bernstein and see if I can meet with him. They never returned my call. 
And so time went on, time went on. I called a few times and finally I thought, well, forget about it. And the guys were right. They said, it's, nothing's ever going to come out of this. So the two guys that were trying just sort of went underground. And finally, I got a hold of Woodward. And I said, hey, um, it's Bob Redford. I, I want to know if I could talk to you. And he said, not a good time right now. He said, it's really not so. And I, I don't think it's right. You know, uh, maybe not. But I said, okay. And he kind of blew me off. He said it wasn't a really good time. So I went on. And then suddenly, and it looked like this whole thing had gone away. And then suddenly, Judge Sarika gets a, a note from uh, James McCord in jail. He says, I have to confess, we were hired by the committee to reelect. And suddenly the thing just blew back sky high. And I said, wait a minute. So I called Woodward and I said, now look, can I just come talk to you? Uh, he said, um, meet, me at the, meet me at the MPA home in Washington. Um, Saturday night, I was making the sting in Chicago. Saturday was going to be okay. So I said, okay, so I'll, I'll go in. I said, what, where do I find you? He said, I'll find you. And I said, what, what do you look like? I'll find you. So I go to the NPA home. It's a bad movie playing there. And people are looking at me like, what are you doing here? I, well, I, <laughs> I, I want to see this movie. Really? You know, and suddenly there's Woodward right in my face. He says, Bob Woodward. And I said, Oh, well, here's, and boom, he cuts me off. He's not here. He says, uh, go to the Jefferson Hotel bar. Um, you leave first. I'll meet you there in 45 minutes. <laughs> so I did. Anyway, getting to the, getting to the point where we did, we had that meeting, and I said, look, I just want to know what you guys did. And I'm interested in that story. He says, now's not a good time here. I, you, where do you, I have an apartment in New York at that time. They said, we'll find you. So they came up. Uh, he and Carl came up. And we spent eight hours, and they told me the whole story, but it was still going on. They were still investigating, and, and they were going after Charles Colson. And I said, well, they said, look, we're going to write a book about this. And I said, well, I, I'm only interested in you guys. You know, what, whatever happens, history will take care of that. But I'm interested in what story nobody knows. So they talked to their editor, and the editor said, interesting idea, but why don't, I want to get as much money for you guys as I can. So you're going to write a book. Why don't we just say he has to wait until the book's finished? We want to get as much and we'll money as he could from Washington rights. Post, too. Right. And so I had to wait for nine months for them to finish the book. Anyway, we finally got it. We got it going. Um, and Pakula. That, that, I feel like that, I could just listen to him talk about this for like another, right, the rest of the show, and I'd be good. Like <laughs> That's super compelling because, of course, all the president's yeah. men you know, one of the bigger movies he's been in, like it, it uh, didn't win Best Picture. Rocky won that year. Uh, but uh, obviously it's it's huge. All the president's men. Sylvester Stallone's Stallone as I'm here to break the story. <laughs> they like heads with him in a boxing match with uh, Richard Dixon. Uh, also, uh, same year. You went the distance, though. Right. Nixon never forgot it. <laughs> uh, same same year as Network, as, as well. 
by the way. So strong, strong year for uh, for movies. Mm. Not uh, sure, not sure how much you guys know about like Bob Woodward and the you know. I mean, he's covered obviously. You know, I mean, Watergate is what he's most known for, but he obviously covered uh, the Bush administration and then uh, yeah. Trump, the Trump administration. He didn't release the fact because he wanted to re- like release his book or whatever until the book came out. He didn't release the fact that Trump knew about COVID and admitted to him that COVID was going to be a problem and like they had all the information about it until yeah. a year after. Because like so, it's like when he's like, "Oh, he I want to sell some books." Book. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to sell some books. That's it. Yeah. He was like, he was like, "Yeah, I probably should have told everyone." Like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, he probably fucking should have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's um, it's it's compelling that this movie did win an Oscar. This movie, the candidate, what we're talking screenplay. about today, uh, for the scripts for for screenplay, yeah, and, and well deserved too. Uh, I, I think you know because it is a. Uh, a, gr- a good satire um c- could it have been brushed up a little bit here and there sure but you could say that like about anything they wrote it in a month you know dude. yeah like, like, they, they you could some... say that about anything whenever whenever it gets to the end but but it's, uh, I think it's pretty damn it. good andy world yeah. got notes no i think it's pretty damn good for writing it in a month like that's a pretty impressive feat um yeah. the, the other like he cocaine's a hell of a drug it. man yeah well, he also worked on it with uh, Robert Town, who you might know as, uh, you know, Chinatown. Yeah, uh, maybe, you know. maybe you've yeah, heard he's of the him. town in Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, just like uh, J. Andrew World uh, stars in uh, The World's End. Yes. See, but the, the thing is that Bob Wilbert never wasn't a sellout. Like, he was just, he was a... Um, he, no, he was just portrayed by, like, one of the great leading men of his time as, like, a crusading altruist. Yeah, in a good like he, movie. Was, he wasn't like Daniel had no basis in reality. It's not reality. <laughs> it's not a documentary. He was, a, you know, he's like again. If there's Bernstein's not so bad. Bernstein's, I guess, a dude is like more, you know, uh, <laughs> knows his place in history a little better and is like less full of himself. Woodward is honestly not. Well, the not two as of them, the two of them were like the Z tier uh, Washington Post reporters. They were the yeah. crime beat at a time when, like, exactly. crime was crime was running rampant. But like, it wasn't like crime was the you know the A tier of it, like it, they're they're like the New York Post basically kind of reporters. You know what I mean? I mean that wasn't around yet, but like New York Post kind of yeah. like uh like let's let's make these snappy crime stories. And they stumbled into finding out about Watergate. And then for the for the next uh, two years, really couldn't put the story together because so much stuff was coming out about it that they were just writing story after story after story. There was a long time when there was a long time when nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to interrupt you. That was just too good. Hang to dog. There there's a long time where nobody was putting the Watergate story together at all because no. yeah. they were just like crime reporters that j- just kept finding out like massive troves of information that they didn't have a time, like yeah. the time to like put onto the fucking Charlie, Charlie Day map. from it's Because what happened was the, 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 the two FBI <laughs> agents that were investigating the Watergate scandal did not know until later on that the head of the FBI after, uh, you know, what's his face died. Thank God. Um, was it's not anybody with any altruistic notions mark felt was just pissed that he got didn't get promoted <laughs> yeah like uh like there he was like oh yeah guys by the way with this investigation i've been letting the administration know everything that's been going on they're like yeah what yeah the and, fuck, and, but not because that is some great altruism or like you know like the common good at all just like he was pissed he didn't get 
he didn't get the call up. All right. Well, well yeah. the, the, the most ironic thing about it is that um, the Watergate break-in only happened or was only allowed to happen because J. Edgar Hoover died. Right, J. Edgar Hoover was not willing to give Richard Nixon. Schwarzenegger <laughs> is Mark Felt. <laughs> Richard, like J. Edgar Hoover, was not, ironically enough, not willing to give up enough of his own power to create, uh, to turn right. the FBI into an, a Nixonian apparatus. Right, Yo, they were like, we're, we're our own spying apparatus too. So when so J. Edgar Hoover died, and six weeks later, Nixon had replaced him with his own loyalist and yep. broken, and they had already set up the fucking break in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, said, hey, here's a here's a here's like a like a safe. Can you please destroy all this evidence of like past pre- president crimes, please? And he's like, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. John Dean, let me tell you something about John Dean for a second. He's the one that's responsible for all of Watergate because he's the one who hired G. Gordon Liddy in the first place. By the, way, G. Gordon Liddy, by the way, G. Gordon Liddy started out as a uh, he, he was in Congress for a really short amount of time in the next county over from me where Poughkeepsie is. He was like the yeah. Dutchess County congressman or whatever. He yeah. also pulled a gun out. He also pulled a gun out and fired it in a courtroom as a yep. lawyer. He was like, look, he did it like this and fucking fired. That, the that gun. would ensure his election now. Yeah. In 1990, he played an Asian uh, villain <laughs> in a TV pilot for a bad sci-fi show. We just hit the coconut of off topic, but the whole the, the whole point of all that is that there's a joke I, think, I really want. There's a joke I really want to make that I can't make, but I really want to make it, but I can't make it. Shut up. I'd say wait for the after party, but we're not doing one today. Uh, I think I, what I did not know because I I love this movie, and actually at some point we should cover all the presidents, man. I think that'd be a fun one to do. Um, Absolutely. But he found out about Watergate like while filming this movie. That's amazing. Like that. That's incredible confluence of. Uh, uh, of time, especially considering that uh, <laughs> that Robert Redford, like you know, again that that was a that was a big movie. He didn't get, I think, the only one. Um, I think they got a, I think that, that movie got a supporting actor nod. I don't think he got a nod for uh, best actor on that. But as far as when people think of the great Robert Redford movies, that's like one of the three or four that they think of. Uh, I do. I mean, uh, apparently, but apparently, when that lady that was interviewing him, and I have one other clip from it too thinks of uh good Robert Redford movies he literally just links to the candidate I think the candidate too I mean it's I think it's amazing obviously but like yeah it's she's real she's more fixated on that she should be on this show yeah. <laughs> we should have her on and we got her number <laughs> well no one's been able to reach her since uh Robert Redford taught her how to work a crowd I was, gonna, I was gonna say she's probably still asking him questions. <laughs> that that interview is still going on actually he filmed the old man of the gun on a bathroom break Anyway. Um, I got a chance to meet uh anybody Robert Redford's uh, that kills at Sundance. Thank you. <laughs> I got I got a chance to meet Robert Redford's son James um at uh at Woodstock Film Festival. Unfortunately, he passed away during the uh pandemic because he I guess had liver problems his whole life, and also I think probably exacerbated them by his whole career was as an environmental filmmaker. And he would go to all these places that had like a huge amounts of toxins, which is what you kind of need your liver yeah. for and already had liver problems. <laughs> it's but, literally the function of the organ, yeah. But uh, yeah, so the same the same Woodstock Film Festival weekend that Bill Pullman roasted me, he was there with a with a movie that he had just made with a bunch of people. And I got Bill to meet Pullman. him. And uh, we we like, you know, we interviewed him. He really, he was trying to go to dinner though and did not want to talk to a bunch of college students that our whole grade for that semester rested on these interviews. And he was just like, he was not trying to talk to it. He's like, he just like, wanted to go. To dinner. And so yeah. we had to like be like, listen, our grade for the semester is can we get interviews with like we have like that's because we're working for the you know the film festival. They don't pay anyone, so they get college kids to do it. 
So there's a class that goes into it. So uh, I got to talk to him. Like, we got to talk to him for like two minutes. <laughs> B. Gordon Diddy. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I have no notes. That's great. That's great. I have no notes. I suppose oh, Andy apparently has lots of notes about the screenplay. But anyway. You know, Kanye told me that that money went to... Never mind. <laughs> Please. Uh, good times. But but it's... uh Yeah, I mean, like, it's almost to, to, I guess, to review that interviewer, right? Like, she's almost, like, talking about, like, how do you... How do you have charisma as a politician? Which is again, it's it's something that like really Good can't work. be taught. Well, yeah, that's I mean that's at least like forty to fifty percent of it, right? But yeah. I I will say that I've I've seen people that are like not good looking people that do have charisma. Some people just have like that. Where are you? I mean, he was good looking. Look at all this. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> Look at all my natural charisma. It it's exuding. Oh, it's so much charisma coming off. Of. I don't know what to do about it. I, I, mean, people, I remember when Bernie first happened, like in 2016, people were like, why are people wooed by this guy? He's a frumpy old man who hunches over his podium that's not even a full podium. And I'm like, it's the shit he's spewing, man. And, and it's how he says it, and that he has absolutely no time for any nonsense whatsoever, and is utter just like yeah. like what people think. People that don't like him think of him. Hi, Bernie. I just want to say hi. <laughs> what people? What, what people? Yeah. Th thanks for that. Yeah. yeah okay, Forgot okay. about that one. Uh, the what people think is like detrimental aspects when they don't like him are actually massive assets. Like the fact that like he just is like when he's uninterested in something, he'll just like. Ugh. <laughs> just like like kind of slide it to the side immediately like yeah, like that one interview where he's just like we're literally talking about these topics we're yeah. not talking about anything else and, just and like, just like, like what do you think about britney spears it's not on the list <laughs> yeah i mean like there's a certain style and panache that comes from being like an affable curmudgeon i should know yeah that's true too <laughs> Uh, but I think that like uh, it, it's interesting that she was so interested in hearing about uh... <laughs> 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 oh boy comment section's killing me uh, <laughs> I, I think it's uh... oh wait this, <laughs> oh, this is, is good this yeah, is, yeah yeah great yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a perfect example of Bernie's uh, charisma this, this is perfect I don't tolerate bullshit terribly well and I come from a different background than a lot of other people who run the country. I'm not good at backslapping. I'm not good at pleasantries. If you have your birthday, I'm not going to call you up to congratulate you, say you love me and you write nice things about me. That's not what I do. Never have. And I, and I, you know, I, just, I, I take that as a little bit of a criticism, self-criticism. I've been amazed at how many people respond to, happy birthday. Oh, Bernie, thanks so much for calling. You know, it works. It, it's just not my style. Um, you know, I try to stay focused on the important issues facing working families in this country, and I fight for them. That's, that's, he's I don't give a fuck about your birthday. Y'all can die in a fire. It doesn't he's matter to such me. a Virgo, though. Oh, my God. Uh, look, I, mean, okay. you, I love the thing is, multiple people thing is in that the, room the, are like, people wish me birthday all the time. Oh, wish me my birthday all the time. I wonder if they want something from me. Like they're having like epiphanies and are like generally annoyed what love that's happening. The one, the one woman that gave him a bunch of side eye just kind of looks like that. And actually I think was the one 
person on the panel that voted for Bernie to be there, oh, um, really? and then got unfairly completely roasted for giving the side eye, and then like, yeah, the side eye face. Yeah, face. Yeah. Judge and Kamala Harris over Biden. That's oh yeah yeah. I mean, yeah. What was Klobuchar? It was a different time. It really they, was. They ended up they ended up picking Warren and Klobuchar both and saying it's the year of the woman, and they oh, both dropped cool. out. Very, very yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah a, a, a astounding move. Like seconds later, they dropped out basically. Uh, but 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 I think the idea that you know a, a, a charismatic politician like the charisma could be taught. I mean, there's been you know many like books, TV shows, movies, I mean, all kinds. Speaking. All kinds of media that, yeah, and some people like a motivation of the deal seminars that are designed to make you think that you can do that. But honestly, for the most part, you can't. You can mitigate the things that make you annoying sometimes. And boy, would I love to voice that upon certain parties, uh, not on this panel, of course, but uh, uh, in in media, uh, because that would be that would be a nice gift, uh, maybe for their birthday or not, to be like, here's how to let be less obnoxious. But I think that it's you can't teach charisma for, for the most part, and it, I think there I think there is some correlation towards physical attractiveness to a certain degree, but not always. Again, no. that was a that was a charismatic exchange, man. He owned that yeah. room. He fucking owned that room. <laughs> and they know that they got owned, and it probably factored into a couple of them being like, "Hey, screw him." And it just looked like <laughs> Senator Fat Fuck, um, you know, uh, <laughs> as he as he'll henceforth be known. Yes. yes. Wait, Alex Jones ran as a is a senator. No, no, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't usually like to size shame, but this guy was morbidly obese, and he's a terrible human being. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to just talk about his one, uh, you know, physical characteristics. So whatever. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, you don't need to keep explaining it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I'm I'm missing it. Was he skinny? <laughs> <laughs> so he was a good dude. Is what you're saying? Yeah. So he he ate the skinny guy. Yeah. All right. All right. That's enough. So what, they're what about bringing, this dude? They're bringing crime. They're bringing food. And some of them, I assume, are, are nice they're bringing people. fattening dishes only. We don't want the fattening dishes. We want the lean dishes. We want the Big Macs. Yeah, he does want the fatty dishes. That would be that'd be diet Trump. Trump was a, Trump was <laughs> Trump was kind of you're talking about diet Trump. You think you're talking about Ron DeSantis? No, it's just Trump who like likes really healthy foods. You... That, that God damn it, that was a good bit. I wish I could have got it in fit shape. I'm like, he's not my my he, favorite like uh, with the Wendy salad bar. My, my favorite <laughs> Trump tweet of all time, and I know it by heart, is I've never seen a thin person drinking a diet coke. And it came out later that Trump would drink six Diet Cokes a day. (laughs) My favorite Trump tweet is when I called him overrated and responded on the toilet at Trump Tower and called me a moron. And it was just riddled with errors in the tweet. Wait, he he responded? Yep. (laughs) You you got tweeted at by Trump? Yeah, back in like 2013. That's hilarious. Stuart overrated. And I was like, no, dude, you're overrated. He's like, by who? A moron like you? And I'm like, first of all. Oh, yeah. What Trump used to do, Trump used to do the thing where he would quote tweet and then do like write like RT and like. Yes, that's what he did. RT. And he wouldn't, for a full week, he wouldn't let it go that he got owned by a 19 year old on Twitter. Elon Elon Musk should bring back the fact that uh, bring back those quote tweets where you have to actually write the person's tweet out. It used to be hilarious to change people's tweets and like make them like sound slightly gay or something like that. And uh, you know, then the, then the person would get like fucking pissed off because I don't know. At the time, I only followed my homophobic ass friends. 
that would like go to parties. <laughs> I was with gonna me. say, I'm, I'm learning so much in this episode. <laughs> well, no, like, like well, welcome our got... Criterion collection friends uh, for watching this. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like I used, to, like I don't know, like I used to have a bunch of friends that would just go party and I, shit, and like that's yeah, yeah, I got it. That really, that really followed me, uh, like at the time that that was happening, because like I don't know, I didn't get into like left Twitter until way later. I was on regular Twitter and just like normie posting, so I would just like do that to like my homophobic ass friends, and they would be like, "Come on, man, that's not what I said." <laughs> I was just, I was me, but just without, without finding my, my place. <laughs> so you can't teach charisma, but Robert Redford has it. Bill McKay has it. So many other uh, politicians in our lifetimes have had it. Uh, some of them with a platform, Bernie Sanders, some of them without, or and some of them that cynically adopted one, John Edwards, that maybe they cared about it. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they thought that was their angle. Uh, it's really compelling to me to like watch that kind of become the default, really. Like where it's it's like, oh yeah, issues. Well, who cares about that? And then everything. I mean, all the Beltway cares about is process stories, and all like the media cares about is you know like facile attributes, and it has more to do with celebrity than anything else. And like, look at Obama, our first celebrity president, right? You know, like, I mean, like, granted, Trump was an actual celebrity before becoming a politician, but you can't you can't tell me that Obama wasn't like a celebrity. Right. I mean, yeah. Kennedy, Kennedy and then Obama. But yeah, I mean, Obama yeah. was our first modern. Yeah, but, but Kennedy thing. never got a Netflix deal because, you know, he got killed. If he lived longer, <laughs> he would have got, <laughs> got, got a Hulu deal. Actually, it would have been. A, yeah, it's competitive. It's uh, it's, it is kind of funny that Obama beat uh, Era, watch Hulu. Thank you. <laughs> Obama kind of beat Trump to becoming a media mogul. Yeah, and that you think you think that doesn't chat that dude's side? Of course it does. Oh, it, that's it, all he it wanted. Off. That's all he wanted. That's, that's why he really wasn't running for president because he was like, "I want to be the yeah. celebrity." I'm like, "You're already a celebrity, though." But he wanted, yeah, he he wanted it to use it to bolster his image, which is deeply interesting because in this movie, the whole pitch for Bill McKay is that he's gonna it's gonna bolster your image because he like what he writes down the thing like you know you lose. Right. Like that. This is the, the the message for like why it's going to be OK for you to do this. You lose. And uh, how do we feel? So since we I mean, we've gone round and round about all these different things. Um, he's not a single baby. <laughs> it's, it's not he's not a single man. Like, how do we feel about his partner? I mean, do you think that like because she's almost like which uh, one? No. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Right. Is that like you have because you have like, OK, so if he's like Kennedy, then. Uh, clearly, um, uh, Karen Carson's character is going to be uh, like the Jackie O in this situation. But then it's not just uh, uh, hinted at. It's it's basically shown that it's like, oh, yeah, he's fucking around. <laughs> like he's he's like getting he's getting a little bit too into the role. Right. He's yeah, maybe, maybe you want to go all the way with Bill McKay. <laughs> <laughs> getting into that voting booth and, you know, sliding in your car. That's enough. That's Just slide it on in. <laughs> the ballot uh, or the boner. This is <laughs> filling in those bubbles. See, I almost wish the after parties could come back so we could get this all out on, on that. But uh, yeah, uh, but but it's 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 fascinating to me because it's like I think she, to a certain degree, is the um, uh, the Karen Carlson character is absolutely like the the textbook. Like political wife, 
right like you know like there's that whole thing where they're, they're it's like the meeting greet and then they're like oh you're like you're the best looking political spouse here you know like whatever whatever they say like and and like the idea that nice like smile she's really she's got a very, yeah <laughs> she does have a nice smile but it's like <laughs> but it's being like but showing that side of things like that the meat market where oh yeah it doesn't actually matter what you stand for it matters if you look like the part right which goes back to politics basically being like you know a cattle call and politics being closer to a celebrity than anything else i don't i don't know how much uh you guys took this out of it on i mean like um, this is responding to what you're saying but like uh it's interesting that he's not like he's not all in on it the entire movie right like he keeps on being like oh i'll quit and like you know i could just and she at some point she's like no like you're going to this like you're not there's no way that you can quit by now like i mean also you know marvin lucas tells him that but she's like pull in on the role or whatever and it's interesting to see her buy in i think uh 100 faster than uh he does yeah i mean i think it shows it says something about her her faith in him you know and the fact that like she's a good supportive partner which is doubly sad that he fucks around on her <laughs> but unfortunately you know emblematic of uh of politics that and then know, he gets all pissed that's what john edwards he has from this movie yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's the only lesson that John Edwards learned from that movie. Well, <laughs> you can have sex with anyone you want? Oh, I didn't know. And the entire room has to wait for you, including your dad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How do we feel about the dad character? Because I think that was an interesting... Uh, oh. Well, I, I had I, I wondered I wondered whether his dad was supposed to be like a, a new deal kind of I mean, not like not in the FDR sense, as in like he was all in on that. But like, I, I wondered if his dad was kind of like a new deal senator, like the, the old style. I mean, cause he was the old style of senator, but I, w- I was wondering like what party you guys thought his dad was part of or like what political like movement. Because there's something yeah, with, it's like, interesting because they don't with, really with, say. Uh, Lyndon right, Johnson yeah. kind of right who's like one like who's the who's the great enemy of liberals like at this time right like he ends up being kind of the great hero of liberals which is kind of a, a fascinating switch in, in time but like at this time he's kind of the great bankrupt uh, villain for for the liberal cause and you know there's something with him kind of starting out as an opportunistic New Deal uh, like FDR was his political hero you know what I mean as he was Reagan's which is kind of weird but um like, but so that kind of mentality, but it's not people that actually believe that they should be helping the poor. It's people that um, opportunistically have bought into the Democratic Party platform at that time. And it's like, oh, well, you know, if, I, if I'm going to be a great crusading uh, progressive politician, there's, there's no political cost to that. So, uh, so that's that's something that I was AKA and, John Edwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously a little bit later, but like he certainly like was the inheritor and like he booty judge as a uh, uh, flavor flav mentioned earlier uh is another example of that where you get all like the facile trimmings and sort of like good vibes of a movement without having to stand for any of the values of it yeah but even even i think a little bit different than that. on tables or was that better better it was better than always stood on tables yeah. it's really funny to photoshop him on better standing on me right now <laughs> no I, I love i love photoshop he's just out of frame yeah <laughs> but no but like so there's a there's a whole um thing with uh you know i mean especially with uh eugene mccarthy calling both labor leaders which you know he has the awkward back and forth with the labor leader that he really doesn't like the uh teamsters guy and he you know accuses him of uh fucking over uh caesar chavez and the 
and the farm workers or whatever. Like, there's that whole scene. I, I pick up on like those details in these movies more than like I, I feel like I don't know if the average there there is a lot of details like that. And, yeah, and that's what makes it a good a good election movie. But uh, all... but no. So there's so there's a thing with uh, you know, specifically like McCarthy, who's the person that you know uh that that they had worked for, you know, like in, in real life, calling both labor leaders and like older politicians like old buffaloes, right? Like there's this idea that they're uh, all they're all corrupt. It's all this um you know backhanding and glad handing and like uh back slapping and i mi i mixed the two up but you know like, the, like i was gonna let you run with it but i definitely noticed <laughs> so no there's like glad handing and, and back slapping and like they're all kind of you know doing these backroom deals that's the whole thing with uh that they glad were backing slap hacking yeah all that and i'm all sick that. as fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever hand shopping <laughs> slop topping they're doing all <laughs> <laughs> but no so like all the they're, they're, they were really anti the, the backroom deals they wanted you know direct democracy which you know everybody if, if that's what's that. happening then i see why <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry sorry the smoke filled rooms you know there's a lot of hand jobbing <laughs> going on in there you, you, you don't want to have full visibility <laughs> but so there's, so there's like that idea right but it, it yeah. makes it kind of it makes it kind of fascinating <laughs> that um but it, it's like liberals that were seen as that right but it's a, a very specific kind of old school liberal uh yeah. like the new deal kind of liberal like um hubert humphrey kind of uh took the entire you know 1948 democratic convention by storm with his like very pro civil rights speech but then by 1968 he was considered like the sellout i mean you know johnson administration stooge like would he, yeah, he was basically the most establishment establishment dude like that. yeah and Johnson had the famous quote where he was like, uh, you know, I put his pecker in my pocket or something. And <laughs> like, but, you know, he, Johnson he's always talking about Dick. Yeah. No, <laughs> well, he is President Johnson. You know, fair. But uh, no. So there's there's a, there's that whole thing where it's like, you know, uh, a very specific kind of liberal who were who were then replaced in mass by the Watergate babies who, you know, didn't like the seniority rules, didn't like. Um, you know, all of these different congressional things where they couldn't get on the right committees and you had to kind of wait. And like there was a rule that you kind of just shut up for the first year and, you know, just kind of let the older people talk and you couldn't really make your speeches. But they had come in on such a mass level that they were able to change all those rules within the Senate because they had a majority. And then they also kind of already within that, like made deals with people like fucking Strom Thurmond to let, you know, certain Southern senators oh, like God, when he their, died, the whole South Carolina just collapsed on itself. <laughs> But but like but to it but like to a degree right like their their version of anti-corruption was uh, ending the the backroom deals which also caused a, a fair amount of chaos and was very easy to sell out because they have no ties to you know normal people they're just like well I'm gonna be extremely uh, idealistic that's all I really am gonna be like I'm gonna be the guy that comes in and like you know I'm crusading and then very quickly it's like hey you want some corporate cash it's like well yeah <laughs> obviously I want that. <laughs> Backroom deal. Do we, do we have to stay in this room with the hand jobs, or can we go out in the hallway? <laughs> oh, but, but it feels like that joke would have killed five minutes ago. Anyway, if one thing that, I <laughs> that joke would kill in the back in the, in the smoke. <laughs> that joke, room, that joke kills in the actual smoke. But there's background. one thing that I learned. Much like the smoke in the actual room. Uh, <laughs> you never, never ever go to an RNC because you will be invited to a newest sex party. So Madison Cawthorn was absolutely right <laughs> that the GOP. Host these parties, like you have to that's be. Like, that's why he got like basically excised from the party, right? It's because he. Yo, that was crazy, right? It's yeah. kind of crazy that that happened so fast. Yeah, <laughs> the wheelchair wheel didn't even have a chance to spin around. 
<laughs> we like that scene from Mac and me. Woo! <laughs> oh, you mean yeah. the movie that Paul Rudd likes to bring up? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this is just it's it's just the after party happening during the main show now. There's it's just one thing. Man. <laughs> um, no, I mean we're, we're talking about the you know the actual the, you know the actual thing. You're talking but, about Mac and me. Let's get real. But <laughs> but yeah yeah, Mass and Cawthorn, to be fair, deserves everything of what he got. But yes, yes. it wasn't because he was a bad dude that, that he got got. He got got because he because he, he snitched about the sex parties. Yeah and yeah, then, like, and, and as I called him before, uh, like uh, I'll call it again. He's Hot Wheels Nazi. <laughs> well anyways he, he had i'd say he told the story walking but i like i like that leading up to it they kept uh i like that leading up to it they kept leaking the pictures of him with his hand on the uh campaign aide's knee or whatever and they like just but like they kept just relentlessly leaking those pictures yeah. up to his his loss they were like hey here's a gay picture and here's a gay picture and every day there was like a new one and it's like, dude, number one, how many of those did you take? <laughs> number two, like, damn, they've gone hard on the fucking Kogorji story. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's that's media shaping narrative, which we'll get into with Wag the Dog later this month. How about that <laughs> for a turnaround, right? Huh? Uh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I certainly hope so. Uh, Letterboxd is a place for film lovers. It's a social media site for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other. About the movies they love, the movies that they didn't love, the movies they got hand jobs and weird smoky back rooms in. Uh, all of these, of course, smoky there's, there's bandit. That's what it's about. <laughs> no Siskels, no Ebert. That's when you Bottom lose up. your wallet. That's when you lose your wallet while getting a hand job in the smoky back room. <laughs> Bottom up democracy, everyone gets to have their say. Uh, this is, of course, best expressed. Work in your tight five in front of your brick wall at the comedy store. These are the classic one-liners. These are the one-liners for from Letterbox for the candidate. Redford is very good, but Boyle has campaign manager nailed. I've worked for that guy. Yo, but I heard he worked harder on uh, Raymond's campaign than uh, than Roberts. Robert did not like that. <laughs> but everyone votes for Raymond. Yep, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but I, th I think that that is true. It's uh, the Boyle's campaign manager, which we didn't talk about even for like more than two or three seconds, but nailed it. Like seriously, agree. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else, you know. I don't know what more there is to say besides that. Like, I mean, he nailed it. What is there to yeah. say? It's, it's he's that dude. I mean, well, I did want to talk about the. I I love the bit. I I messaged you guys about it, but I love the bit where every time they go to talk in private, somebody's like, uh, someone's like, "Hey, you can't be back here," and he's like, "Oh yeah, every single time." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where can we be? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, only in the smoky room with the bull jobs. Thank you. <laughs> But where is that smoky room? It seems like every smoky room these days is, uh, you know, they tell them they can't be in there. Exactly. Hey, this is a Turkish bathhouse. You can't be in here. You can barely tell a joke on a college campus. <laughs> Some of the whitest ties to ever hit the silver screen. True. Mm -hmm. I like when they tell them to switch out the tides. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, it was weird because he was parasailing with it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. They didn't have kites back then because they would just fly the ties out the back. They just used their ties. It's multi-purpose. Yeah. By my, by my calculation, Bill McKay starts as Bernie Sanders, who looks like JFK, turns into Barack Obama, then morphs into Bill Clinton, and ends in triumph with no idea who it's actually supposed to do. Like 45. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. 
in uh, in my calculation, Bill McKay starts out as uh, as 1968 RFK and ends up at 1950 RFK when he was working for McCarthy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Please clap. It's an indictment of modern politics that people don't have the decency these days to give political candidates a hot dog before hitting them in the face. Mm-hmm. That's a great scene where you like hands yeah, the yeah. hot dog. <laughs> well, with, I inflation, mean, oh. with inflation, you can't afford to even hand the candidate the hot dog anymore. What can right, you say? Exactly. I need that back after I punch you. Thank you. Those goddamn COVID checks making yeah, like, Europe, inflation in Europe insane. <laughs> I, I was uh that that scene made me think of uh uh Henry Gonzalez, who who was a uh, Texas congressman, and apparently somebody called him a communist uh, when he was campaigning in Texas. And uh, Henry Gonzalez, who was like this this elderly man, he was like a New Deal, an actual New Deal Democrat, not like a uh, you know not not somebody who was actually like writing the uh, the line, but somebody who was a true believer. Um, punched the dude out in like the eighties. It was great. <laughs> there you go. But he I'll show you a hot, fucking. He did not get a hot dog before that, though, right? To be clear. No, no, there was no hot dog. Uh, I kind of wish he did have a hot dog to hand to the to the guy who called the communist so he could punch him out. And see, it's a decline of American uh-huh. values. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was also. I, I would. I had to double check this just now, but he was also on the House Committee for uh, for assassinations, which is the uh, the one that like was working at the same time as the one that um, John Kerry was on. And John Kerry at the end was like, "Hey, I think they actually did kill fucking JFK. Like he did get assassinated, mm-hmm. and then still ran for president because apparently, you know." <laughs> didn't care about that. Hey, the CIA could just assassinate a president. So anyway, I'm going to run for president. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, indeed. Bill McKay would have promised me a $2,000 stimulus check in January and ended up letting me down with a possible $1,400 stimulus check in March. <laughs> but that's politics. So the movie has that right. Yeah. And John Ossoff, uh, Bill McKay. I was gonna say, didn't, didn't say it aloud, but uh, yeah, you know. but people did vote their ass off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, he's not gonna get his ass kicked, he's cute. <laughs> you know, speaking of Game of Thrones of, over there, a little bit, <laughs> line from his dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hey, ask the question, what if there was a senator who fucks? <laughs> That's the question Madison Cawthorn asked, and now he's not. Maybe you shouldn't ask about that. Yeah, yeah but Mitch, do we really Mitch, want to know who's doing it, though? It's Mitch McConnell. It's all Mitch McConnell. It's Chuck Grassley, man. <laughs> because, like, I, I learned that Rand Paul swims naked in the uh, in the Congress pool, uh, which is why uh, women aren't allowed. How in did there. you learn that? It's it's in the papers. Like, like you've got brags about it. Um, but but apparently, like Never after he got uh, uh, um, uh, you know, he he, he uh, found out he had COVID. The first thing he does is go swimming in the uh, the, uh, the Congress pool, and I'm just like, wait, was he doing yeah, this naked while trying to spread people? I also want to say, uh, Chuck, uh, ass gas or grassly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah, I ask myself that every time we do the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> uh, one of the great closing lines of in, in, uh, in film, as far as I'm concerned. Like, one of the all-time great. Yeah, I mean, it leaves you feeling real hollow, though. No, it's it's a bummer. <laughs> it's a bummer. <laughs> and, sure. and like, fucking uh, Marvin Lucas can't hear him, so he just, like, kind of walks out of the room. He's like, what? Like, what are we what? doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to this, this smoky room while the handjobs are happening. 
you're on your own. <laughs> the movie Aaron Sorkin wishes he could make. <laughs> yeah, because this this is truly like uh, the West Wing is a photocopy of this, a fo- photocopy of a photocopy. Well, I mean, you know, he does give a pretty good speech, and everyone's really into it. So, damn. Every movie would be better if included a cameo of Natalie Wood as herself. Okay. Amen. Not Titanic, but <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't playing herself in Titanic. Come on. No, that's it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a drowning it's a, joke. <laughs> I'm just gonna let it sit for a minute. Let's let's let, 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 let that one marinate. I know. I was just never mind. Look, I always vote for the candidate who likes my pets the best. That is a great scene, by the way. Like yes. He's campaigning. It's like, how do you like think... my dog? It's a good dog, right? It's like, uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's, it's a great dog. It's I good. think I think Bernie would. I think Bernie's the kind of guy who would like shake your dog's hand. Like, yeah, nice to meet you. And just pat the cat's head. She'd be like. Doo, doo. <laughs> This this is a very nice cat. I um, I think he has cats. Oh, he definitely has. If he that, doesn't, that would he not does. surprise me like at all. He's like, a cat. He's a cat yeah. guy. Definitely. They say people who are more on the left actually are more cat owners than dog owners. Hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't surprise. It seems like it'd be a very pet friendly household. Yeah, yeah, that's why I've been waiting for Forrest's right wing turn. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, what are the fuck Glenn Greenwald doing? Look, I've, I've whatever had, the fuck this bit is doing. Those are Letterbox one-liners yeah. for the candidate. Please follow Movie Next Travaganza on Letterbox. That's your host, Forrest, over there. Uh, he's uh, on there usually reviewing the movies we watch and nothing else. <laughs> but uh, if you want to keep track of the show, you can follow him over there. Follow me, Conan Leadership 2020 to <laughs> Neutron. I forgot I put it to that. Uh, on Letterbox as well. I'm covering all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Cats weed in outer space. Fantastic. What an agenda. Jay Andrew Lanyard Puncher World is on there watching all the weird stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe so that you can. Who knows? Robert Redford for Prez over there. Christina Oaks on there. Uh, most Mostly Johnny Depp related content. But, uh, you know, she's she's got her she's got her, her beat. And we appreciate that about her. And we always appreciate having her on the show. Lanyard Puncher. Jay Andrew World. Take us away with the plugs, please. All right. If you see somebody with a lanyard in Washington, D.C., please punch them for me. Um, <laughs> I'll show you. What, 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 what if they have a clippy thing? What if they have, like, the clip guy? Is that is that <laughs> still a lanyard? I don't know. It, to be, they get a slap. It's just like in that scene where he gets off the train. Clipboards, <laughs> lanyard. Uh, ballots, lanyard. Um, campaign. Uh, literature, if you've ever had lanyard. lunch in DC, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, if you're watching us right now on YouTube, um, and notice I said if, uh, so you can't pull that. <laughs> There's a bunch of people that are already tuned out, so don't worry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell uh, if you haven't already, and uh, watch this video to the end because that really does help us out. And you can hear a wonderful, wonderful song by Coda Neutron. Uh, you know, great job uh, again. Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No brass, uh, no, br- yeah, no brass. Well, whatever, you know. I, 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 I'm sorry to disappoint you, but yeah, no brass. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was uh, a little bit looking forward to brass, but you know, that... <laughs> I'll do the remix, I'll do a <laughs> remix <laughs> to election night extravaganza. You know, we, we, you got to play to your strengths too, you know. Yeah, so, so I, I'm not, I'm not actually mad, exactly. I'm like, no, it's a great tune, it's great. Really, even if it doesn't have brass. Okay, well, I'm, right. I'm 
is able to mitigate your disappointment about the lack of yes. brass. No, hey, hey, as long as it's, as long as the song slaps, it That's, doesn't have to have brass. Doth it slap? Question mark. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. More and more people are saying that on Twitter, which we happen to have. Well, we do. Yes. Um, so so follow us on Twitter. Find out when shows are happening. We have a Twitter group uh, community, uh, and you can uh, join that too. Um, we occasionally have polls. We have uh, we post our reviews of uh, whatever we're watching, uh, stuff kind of related to past episodes, uh, like that great article I found of Orson Welles writing Moving about the polls. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you jumped on. For. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was a that was a cool like weird little piece of esoteric. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. Um, uh, but yeah, Orson Welles doing a movie review of a movie reviewed. So it was it was of a know. movie we've covered on this show, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, Alley. which which makes it kind of surreal, right? Um, but but uh, you know, the most yeah. hideous man alive. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, jo join our uh, Twitter group. Uh, Nightmare Alley was what we was hiding in in that scene in the in the <laughs> in that movie. By the way, yes, his face yeah. truly is a Nightmare Alley. <laughs> but uh, we have a Patreon Friendly. too, and the uh, Patreon helps out Forrest. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's not inaccurate, but it's hilarious for you to phrase it that way. No, but but it really does help out the channel. Um, it, it covers the expenses that we have to to, to do this because we um, spend a lot of time and, and uh, we spend a lot of time in the handjob room. Actually, yes, <laughs> true. This is true. The maintenance. Yes. Yep. The cleaning bills alone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go back to having the after parties. This is too much, right? Yeah. Well, I think we'll have after parties like coming up soon. It's we had one on Friday. I don't think we should have two a week. <laughs> it's the bit. Yes. But but uh, if you uh, haven't heard Smoking one of our after ballot. parties before. By the way. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about with our after parties, you can I never become a member and listen to uh, one of our actual after parties and understand why after parties are forever. If you, if, you think, if you think after party forever, after party. Uh, we're gonna work on that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, and they they are they are quite a bit of fun, and they're even more nonsense laden than this is. Thank you. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe not this episode. But... This is, this episode is I don't know. This is the new bar. Yeah. Yeah. Being right. a bar. Yes. So, uh, Conan, you have uh, hey, Conan. Hey, Conan, meet me. Conan, meet me at the bar. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the smoke filled, <laughs> the smoke filled bathroom, back room. <laughs> got a great idea for a smoke filled bathroom. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Here's the pitch. It's a bathroom. This is disgusting on multiple levels. <laughs> Here's a pitch. It's a bathroom, but it's filled with smoke. You in? <laughs> exactly. Uh, multi-level marketing baby that's what i do so yeah we had a uh did you have protonic reversal this week uh, or coming up this week uh, I, yeah i was gonna say it, ha it hasn't happened yet but i'm having yeah, Nick yeah. Sakes, uh, oh yes <laughs> the, nick sakes of dazzling kilman and upright forms Colossomite sick bay coming up uh there let's see i got um john schmerschel from brainiac coming up shortly and then i'm pretty sure it's still happening east Bay and class florida of dead kennedy's but dh pelegro r.i.p earlier this week so if that doesn't happen then that doesn't happen but that's the next the next three episodes coming up 
So yes, yeah, stay tuned for those. That sounds really exciting. Uh, but if you if you enjoy the music that you hear on this show, um, you can uh, go to uh, Bandcamp and purchase some of uh, Conan's music. In fact, this Friday uh, is Bandcamp Friday, where Conan will get all of your money. <laughs> but you can get it vinyl, CD, uh, digital, however you want to put it into your ears. Yep. And we're gonna we're gonna finally put up the two t-shirt designs we came up with for tour the froberg and the uh, dudes yelling shirts because people have been asking about it more and more so van camp friday we're gonna put up those t-shirts uh which is good because yeah they had a <laughs> rear wheel alignment to do and a whole bunch of other expensive van things so yeah please buy my shit thank you <laughs> yeah and like i said this friday he gets all the money so so as opposed to uh, splitting yeah. it with van camp uh, Goes directly to firestone <laughs> <laughs> Firestone gets all of Conan's money. <laughs> right. Move to Extravaganza, brought to you by Firestone. Please, please. Yeah, hey, we're getting a pretty we're getting a pretty uh competitive bid from Goodyear. So better jump yeah, on it. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, no tour dates uh until uh wait, later this month. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's actually coming up pretty soon. <laughs> it's um three I'm like wait, it's not October from... anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, three weeks from Merry Christmas, bitches. <laughs> it's too soon for that three weeks from uh this friday uh we'll be in the west coast again uh we'll do an la joshua tree and then the makeup mccluskey show in oakland uh 25th 26th 27th so we have three episodes after this before that i think four four episodes so plenty of time to talk about that but yes. but definitely uh if you want to come to the oakland show buy tickets because it's getting pretty close to being sold out and yeah I think a so, lot of so, so if you're on the west coast and you want to see conan uh, in Oakland, only. Now. probably tickets still available door for the other shows, frankly. But anyway, <laughs> but that should be great. That's going to be a home uh, hometown show for me. Um, haven't played Oakland since 2019, so I'm excited. It'll that. be exciting, yeah. And uh, Christina, you have a Twitch channel that's fantastic that hasn't been on, but yeah. uh, she was on last uh, night. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I missed it because I was checkmate uh, liberal. <laughs> I was doing Halloween stuff with my kids, so you know, there you All go. Right, well, how dare you be a good father? And I not know. Be on Twitch. Yeah. Um, but but what happened last night? Uh, we just ca caught up. You know, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. I was gone. <laughs> Way too much. You're still catching people up right now. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh Sounds very compelling i was there and I, like i was like well yeah it seemed more interesting than that but okay yeah <laughs> anything coming up this week uh, are you going back to just streaming just streaming excellent so, so... Again. <laughs> way to give him nothing by the way just <laughs> give him nothing at all i don't plan this shit out i really don't <laughs> well if you Here enjoy this sound great and you want to support their <laughs> Patreon. Oh, that's great. I'm streaming. All right. Oh, I'm streaming. Things you, can see on the, things you can see on the internet or the urologist. <laughs> doc, Doc, I got a Twitch. I'm streaming. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we need to bring the after parties back. Okay, anyway. Go ahead. Yes. Bring um, but yeah, Christina had one on Friday. I mean, I do it a bit, man. I Jesus know, fucking Christ. <laughs> Land your puncher, please. You have the floor. Yeah, I was just going to say something about I, mean, I should just change this to like Forest Puncher. Um, 
but uh, you have a, a Patreon um, uh, to support you for all your stuff. Um, and, and so please support Christina's Patreon. I'm sure there's exciting stuff there too. Yeah, I really got to keep up with that one. It's just, I've been so busy at the end of the year. Everyone wants their houses clean and their dogs sat on and ugh. <laughs> Christopher Multisanti over there. <laughs> Too soon. I it's been years. I know that's what that's the what's my no, <laughs> he's clean now, I think, or dead. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Michael Imperioli has a band and uh they're pretty good. Oh, and it, I totally forgot they were playing Milwaukee. I could have gone and seen them and I totally forgot about it. It's fun, it's pretty funny. He's like a classically trained actor, and uh, then he had that podcast they did with Steve Shripa, who is not, <laughs> but is distantly related to like one of my childhood best friends, I think. But uh who's also last name is Shriva. But uh they like so he was like, Yes, yeah, so I was at a bar and I was fucking around. And Michael Imperial is like, This is called the uh, you know, the technique that I learned, you know, right. at my acting school. And like this mise on scene is more like <laughs> the uh, you know, yeah. Okay. He's like, Mise on scene, oh, like I got a fucking oh. right now. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a mizen scene in the urinal if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> talking about the, yeah, we talk about aesthetics. The aesthetics in the bathroom over there. They, they were fucking. Are we talking about the aesthetics of these final thoughts? Yeah, you really want to get off this show? Damn, I got food coming here. So, oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. So that's yeah. If I knew, I didn't know that. You should have put it, it in the chat. Yeah, yeah. Hurry up, here. bitch! I got. We're really like, what's that? <laughs> what you're up to? Yeah. <laughs> You should have told uh, Andy, me I'm making it food lytical. Uh, <laughs> anything enough. else for the plugs, Andy? Was that it? Yeah, was I that... think that's pretty much all the plugs. That's enough. Um, that's enough. I, I got a uh, uh, an interview that I'm uh, actually doing myself on Ben Burgess's channel for patrons. Uh, so hmm. if you're a patron over there, um, check it out. I'll be interviewing a uh, art um, uh, a local art gallery uh, runner about uh, a couple of uh, artists and a show that they just had uh, that you sadly missed, but. Um, uh, it'll be interesting because uh, you can still um, check out the uh, uh, oh now I'm going to blank on the artist's name, um, but but you can still check out the works there at the gallery and also when you're while you're there see uh, Leonard Nimoy and uh, Dr. Seuss's work in person too, so uh, super cool place. But but uh, we, we will be getting into politics of uh, a couple of artists um, uh, working in the 20th century. So so. Uh, stay tuned for that. I don't know when that's happening or when that's coming out, but uh, that that will be happening for patrons over at uh, Give Them an Argument. All right, Christina's got food coming. Christina, let's let's, yeah. let's hear some. So final I absolutely love this film. It's probably the first political, like satirical, like drama ish that I've ever like seen. I'm kind of glad that my government teacher told me to watch this so that I wouldn't become so that I would be smart. I understand how things work in the Democratic Party, how things are, how they run their candidates and shit like that. So I, I, I was Jill Stein. Your Jill Stein. Yeah, it's a good teacher. I mean, that's yeah, no, it is. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, she was a, she was a Bernie person. So uh, yeah, I definitely this is probably my favorite, definitely my favorite like political uh, film nice. for sure. I give it like how many I voted, uh, how many I voted stickers. 11 out of 10. <laughs> By the way, do you, do you guys remember that I told you that that uh, weird shaped head thing was going to be uh, won the competition to be our I voted sticker? It, it oh, won the competition. Yeah, I and I'm, I'll, oh, really? I'll wear it. I'll wear it on. Uh, I'll wear it on our election night. Stream. 
after I vote because it's uh it's like a it's like a head it's like a demon head well on like a thing and that's our I voted sticker and our politicians locally have leaned into it. I feel like I feel like uh, you know we talked about uh, twenty days later East Hastings had Godspeed You Black Emperor song. One of my favorite moments is I was like, please rise for our new national anthem. <laughs> that played the- oh, <laughs> during uh anyway whatever me right yep yep uh truly stunning how so many of these themes in this film are totally accurate and haven't changed much in what 50 years um i think this is a great film it's about how the process of getting elected is basically a machine to grind down any and all ideology and altruism and a potential candidate in the name of getting elected in the advancement of power uh it's chilling you know bill mckay isn't supposed to win but his charisma, which as we've, oh, that's right. I forgot about this, uh, but his uh, charisma integrity, you know, can't be taught. Charisma can't be taught uh, is what gets him there and makes him a serious contender. Even as the actual uh, altruism and ideals sort of get worn, worn and winnowed away. Cause everyone loves a good looking candidate. So, although it's more or less about uh, John Tony, as we mentioned, the Senate candidate in California from 1970, uh, they're big time generational themes too, as the, uh, so the, in this case, it's the baby boomers being uh, taking control of the zeitgeist and a power seizure. They basically would never, ever give up, but that's not the focus on here. Uh, Cause as mentioned, there's stuff pulled from the McCarthy campaign and many others. And it was very much made of its time, but it's weirdly timeless as our culture becomes more and more obsessed with facile image traits, image over issue frames over facts uh, Etc. And I think this is a great film, and I think it's the perfect starter for election night extravaganza. I'm actually very excited to talk about the rest of these films as well, uh, and excited and terrified to see what next week holds. <laughs> our, uh, we'll be here for it. <laughs> our election night, election night extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna say for the results and for whatever we're gonna be doing. <laughs> we've, uh, but we've been talking about doing Bob Roberts for like over a year now. It's honestly, it's it's like top 50 film for me. And I haven't, but I say that I have not have it. I have not seen it in years. This, this is, this is going to be uh, uh, my first watch in a long time. I think, I think we brought it up when we talked about. Uh, our, our second, tape heads. No, it wasn't when we talked about tape heads. It was when we talked on, uh, this is revolution. We talked about, um, uh, why can't I think of the other the other uh, Tim Roberts movie? The player, no, Ro- the no. player, yeah, the player, yeah, yeah. I said Tim Roberts also. Oh. I didn't mean it. Tim Guys, Roberts. We know that pop off here. <laughs> All I, right, I think, I, yeah. think, I think we're done, right? Yeah. Well, I just Tim have to do my final thoughts. Oh, okay, okay, that's right. Well, I yeah. Go like All right, later. get your food. I didn't know that you had food. Go get your food. Thanks. Bye, guys. See you in two weeks. Oh, two weeks. There she goes, everybody. But yeah, she's no, really selling that stream. I'm gonna be streaming, doing what? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Sounds compelling. Well, isn't that ninety percent of what Twitch is really? Oh well, hey. nobody, just nobody plans out what they're gonna do on Twitch. They're just there and they're like, let's watch some videos together. Well, she, I think she's got a few things like you know, like, like planned out, like you know, oh, we're gonna cover this topic, and maybe she doesn't, maybe she doesn't, because sometimes she just throws that right out the door because something else <laughs> happens. But you know. She should hire me as a press agent. I know how to sell that show. <laughs> exactly. Move to the center. <laughs> like I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Andy, let's, hear these, let's hear these. Political center, thoughts. not so much. But the the, uh, the panel center, yes. Yes. Um, you know, uh, thank you, Conan, for, for bringing this movie into my life. Um, I, I, uh, 
kind of you know completely missed this movie i, I don't know how um and uh i was kind of mad after i finished watching it because it, it's like everything like like all the wrong lessons were learned from this movie and like like you could see like like this is a great satire but yet everybody took it as like oh that's what you're supposed to do and how that's how, where we yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's where like democratic politics has been since at least the nineties that I'm aware of, you know, you know, probably really longer than that. You had to actually write an op-ed to say, Hey, this was a satire to Dan Quayle. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it just like, you can, you can plug in so many like Bill Clinton, you know, uh, cause he ran a very uh, left campaign and then, you know, governed from the center. Um, and, and a few other people. Triangulation. Did that you know did it. that as well and uh so don't so, worry like, we can, got some clinton era movies coming up man like yeah, Wag, but you, you can, especially That's, you can uh, fill in uh whoever you want to as yeah. as like uh who 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 look took the wrong lessons from this film and, and uh you're Head probably state about the first black president <laughs> 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 i have a lot good. of thoughts about head of state and i actually think uh it's it's got a good political message but let's let andy finish <laughs> Yeah. And so, um, yeah, no. So I'm glad I was, uh, I finally got to actually watch this movie and uh, uh, I kind of wish I did it sooner to appreciate it. All right. Well, I just, you know, I'm going to end this on a question. Conan, what do we do now? (laughs) 